Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I've got the pleasure of having Rick Barrera here. He is the CEO of Rick Barrera and Associates. Rick, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Rick, you know, sales has always been a challenging subject. And, and I just think about, you know, ancient Egypt, Roman Empire, there had to be people selling rugs and camels and whatever. And there was a guy down the market that was doing a better job than we were. And we were trying to figure out how does he do better than me? So people have been thinking about sales and sales improvement for a long time. And you've been doing it not quite that long. So I'm really happy you're on the program with us sharing your wisdom. I'm happy to be here. So, Rick, who was the first salesperson that you came across that made an impact on you where you went, huh, so this is what selling's about? Well, I, I have a long and storied history of selling. So, so I was, um, when I was little, I, I grew up in a little tiny town called Derrick City, Pennsylvania. It's very rural. Um, there were 52 homes in Derrick City. And not, not, not much of an opportunity to earn money. But when I was in second grade, I joined Cub Scouts. And if you join Cub Scouts, they send you a magazine called Boy's Life. And in the back of Boy's Life, there was an ad and it said, you know, earn big money. And so I, you know, I was, you know, immediately caught my attention. So I uh, sent in and they sent me a great big book of Christmas cards. And so I went door to door to all 52 homes and said, you know, do you need Christmas cards? And some people said yes. And so that's how my sales career started. And that company in the spring sent me a seed catalog and said, go sell seeds. So I went to all 52 homes and sold seeds. (laughs) And, uh, And basically I tortured those 52 people um, until I could drive. And then I, and then I got what I would call my first real sales job, which was selling newspaper subscriptions over the phone. So, uh, sold through high school and college and all of that. And I I learned a lot, but, uh, then I decided to have a job after college and my sister came home. She was in the Peace Corps in Afghanistan and she came home and she wanted to start a business. So we were looking at different businesses and I found a sales cha- training franchise. Which one? So, so I bought the franchise and I went for sales training. And it was really, uh, it's the second time I had sales training because the phone people, you know, had a really good program, but that was only for selling newspaper subscriptions on the phone. So it was very specialized. But when I went to the sales training for the franchise, they had an actual sales system for selling anything. 
And that was mind boggling to me because I'd had, you know, at that point, probably 20 sales jobs. Right. So things that I was like, oh, my God, there's like a method and you do things in order. And, you know, all I could think of was how much money I had lost from all the sales that I didn't get because I didn't know how to sell properly. So which sales training company was this? Um, it was a, it was a it was a company called Bob Vino. They're out of business. They they uh, they went out of business a few years after after I bought the franchise, and then I, so I was just on my own. I've been on my own since then. So Rick, don't name names, but you've worked with a lot of companies, and a lot of companies that have been selling for a while, and then companies lose their way. What do they you do. think gets in the way? Well. A couple of things. So, the, so, so the first thing that gets in the way is that the world changes. Yes. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're recording this in the middle of the COVID deal. So, you know, certainly COVID has changed the world. It changes the way we need to sell. It changes what we sell, changes how we sell. Um, it, it, cha- it changes payment structures, it changes everything. So when the world changes, um, they don't adapt. Uh, their competitors can change. But just as often, they get they get lost in their in their own what I call navel gazing. So, um, so just to give you a, a perfect example, so the, I mean the tip, the typical entrepreneur, they start out and they figure out how to sell something, and so the company starts right. They sell you know the owner sells something. And they're successful. So then they sell another one. Then they sell another one. Then they sell another one. And and they kind of get the company going. And then they start to hire people. Because now you got to worry about delivering what it is you sold. And then you got to have, you know, customer service. And then you got to have operations. And then you got to have HR. And then you got to have finance. And you got to have accounting. And you got to have all these things as the company grows. And in the process of all that, we get so internally focused that we forget about the customer altogether. And so, you know, the customer's evolving, the world's evolving, your company's evolving. And what happens is you you sort of evolve apart, right? I love companies that, you know, they go, oh, no, that's against our policy, right? And I always say, well, what's the customer say about the policy? Oh, my God, they hate it. Okay, well, then why is it our policy? (laughs) Because it's always it's going right? to impact sales. So what's kind of interesting is this, is uh, everybody in business, plus or minus, would, would know that, you know, uh, if you don't adapt, you die. And so at one level, they have it inside the head. But when you're going through it, it's really hard to see, even though the data is on the wall in terms of sales are declining, competitors are, you know, gaining market share. And then... Companies tend to sometimes focus at the wrong thing and not take a step back. A, do you agree with that statement? And B, what would be your advice to help companies keep their finger on the pulse of what's going on? You have to live with your customers, but you also have to think beyond your product. So I'll just give you an example. I was working with a very very large company and a very well-known company. And they told me um, they're, they're, you know, they're in construction and they told me, you know, you don't understand, you know, our customers love us. 
They love our equipment. They love, you know, everything about us. They can't live without us. They can't make money without us. They just think we are like, you know, the best thing ever. And so I sent the senior team out, but, but sales were declining, by the way, which is always interesting, right? So, right. <laughs> so, um, so I sent them out, the senior team. I said, I want you to go out for three days. I want you to shadow a customer and different. I sent the different senior execs to different customers. And I said, you're, for three days, you're going to shadow the customer and you're not allowed to ask questions. I just want you to follow them around because I want you to understand what their day is like. Right. And they said, you know, well, that three days, long time. Like, no, no, I want, I want you to, you know, three days. Cause I want you to really understand their world from their point of view. So they all went off and did the assignment and they came back and they were blown away. Uh, and I said, what, what'd you learn? And they said, do you know they never mentioned our company once in three days? You know, all of us, seven of us went out. That's 21 collective days where we never got mentioned, right? It was, it was kind of like uh, ego shattering for them. They thought they were the center of the customer's universe and they didn't even exist. And they were there physically and they still didn't exist, which is amazing. <laughs> yes. um, but what they learned was that there was this whole other process that when the construction day ended, there's a whole other team that goes to the headquarters. They start at five o'clock at night and they work until five in the morning and they reshuffle all of the assets and the projects and the people. So that, you know, what did we get done today on each of these projects? What does the contract call for? On which contracts do we have penalties where we're running late that we're going to cost us money? On which contracts do we have bonuses if we finish early? What equipment do we need to move to what site? What, what operators do we need to move to what site? You know, do we have any materials that have to be moved? Like, there's all this logistical stuff that happened overnight so that they could be a construction company the next day. Right. They, they didn't even know that process existed and they were not part of it. So one of the insights that came out is, is that there's a lot of rental equipment. And they didn't, you know, they, the, the rental equipment, typically, you know, they get to the job site at seven o'clock in the morning. Then they figure out by eight o'clock, they need something. Then they call. Then it's another hour before, you know, it gets delivered. So they've lost half of their construction day before they can even get the equipment. So one of the insights they had was, well, we should be doing this at night with them. So if they need equipment, we should have it there before 7 a.m. And so it's, it's that, it's that kind of thing where you really, you know, we think we know what the customer's doing, but we don't. I'll give you another quick example, shorter one. We were sending, one of the companies I was working with was sending all this data. We were uploading all this data into our system and we were sending it to the customer electronically. And right. I asked the question, what do they do with it? And they said, well, we don't know. And I'm like, why not? And they said, well, well, why would we ask? You know, I'm like, I said, because whatever they do with it is relevant to whether we're serving them or not. 
So they said, okay, we'll go find out. So they went and they watched. And what they did is they got our data electronically and they printed it all onto paper. And then they sent it to another department and the other department hand keyed every single thing back into their system. You can't make this stuff up, right? No, you can't. But this is why you have, when I say being close to your customer, I mean, the phrase I use is you have to be able to smell their breath. It's not a, you know, hey, we had a sales call or we, you know, we talked to them through customer service. You have to go and see what they do, right? There's a a saying comes from uh, Japanese from from the quality movement, Genbitsu Genbutsu. It means go to the place and see the thing for yourself. And so, you know, so when we asked them, why are you hand keying this stuff? They said, well, because the format that you send it in doesn't fit with our system. So we print out and then we got to hand key it and then, you know, it goes into the new system. So we said, well, you know, why don't we get our IT guys to give it to you guys the way you want it? And they were like, oh, you could do that? So we did. Well, needless to say, they can't buy from our competitors now because our systems are integrated. So let's uh, pause there just for a second because you have, you know, like done one of those uh, obvious things that no one else will do. You know, there's an expression and walk in someone else's shoes and you're basically living that here. And there's such value out of showing up and noticing what's going on that I would think 99% of companies would never do. They just assume. Oh, yeah. And also, from my point of view, I think for a lot of companies, there is a ton of sales that's trapped within their own systems and within their own people. Because sometimes you know, sales is at odds with the rest of the company in terms of them not knowing, the rest of the company not knowing what sales actually does and sales not really knowing, you know, how what they do impacts the rest of the company. So you've gone in and seen a lot of companies. Have you seen one of those disconnects where oh, it's always everybody wasn't in alignment? <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, that's why, that's why the title of the book is Alignment, the Shortcut to Marketplace Dominance, because we most companies spend too much time fixing things or changing things that they believe matter to the customer when in fact there are only two or three or four or five things that matter to the customer and if you get those really consistently right and they're aligned then you have this you know huge lift in sales Definitely. So, you know, what, one of the things, you know, people people think, you know, they say to me, well, I don't want to be in sales because, you know, it's pushy and, you know, I'm not that kind of a person. I don't have a sales personality. All we do ever is problem solve. Right. We just go and we say, you know, look, what is it you're trying to do? What's the outcome you're trying to get? And then not how do I sell you my crap, but how do I help you? get where you are trying to go. And that might mean it's an off-the-shelf product or service for us, or it might mean something customized or tailored or changed or tweaked in some way that really makes it work. So it, it's, it's, it's really about you know understanding exactly what their outcomes are and then figuring out how you can align your company to do that. And that, so, you know, that, that, that's the key. So brilliant. So just for the listeners, uh, in the show notes, there's going to be a link because has generously, uh, given this book freely to anybody that's listening to the podcast. So there's going to be a link there. We can go on Rick's site and download, uh, this book alignment, 
the shortcut to, to market dominance. So thank you for that, Rick. You're welcome. So one of the other areas I think there's lots of sales potential trapped is within organizations. And let me give you an example. I was working with this organization uh, in Silicon Valley and the VP of worldwide sales had said that, you know, my people, we talk about selling on value all the time, but they always cave in on price and that's where they go to too quickly. Can you help us solve that? But when I looked at sales and looked at the other departments, it turned out that sales was relying on tech support, financing, other departments to deliver the support and the resources they needed to sell. And they were finding that the other departments weren't doing it. Engineering was relying on marketing to predict what the customers would want three years from now so they could build what was needed. And marketing was letting them down. So there was a company that was profitable, but there was this distrust between the departments. And to fix the sales situation, what I ended up doing was getting all the departments to come together and figure out what the issues were and resolve those, just like you're talking about, you know, resolving it, getting alignment with companies and customers. If we do it within our departments, something magical happens where everybody supports everyone and you get efficiencies and performance. And the most important thing, trust within the department so people can focus on what they need to focus on. And that's how you outthink and outpace uh, the competition. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's uh, again, it's, this goes to the fundamental solving of, of problems or aligning around what it is that the, the customer is trying to do. So that, the, you know, the other departments, uh, you know, what, one of the great sayings I'm trying to remember it was Jack Welsher who said it, but, you know, if, if, if you're not selling, then you better be helping somebody who is, right? Um, you know, if you're in engineering, you need to be out in the field. You can't rely on the sales te team or the marketing team or whoever to help you with that insight. You got to go out and see what they do with the thing you make. The marketing team has to be out side by side with the customer. So this is what this is a term that Tony Alessandro. I know he was on with you. Tony Alessandro and I coined long ago is is bow tie selling selling versus diamond selling. So the bow tie selling is where you know we have all these different you know uh, positions in our company. You know CEO and CFO and you know salespeople and purchasing and operations and all of that. And they have the yes. same lined up on their side, but the only two people who touch like a bow tie are the salespeople and the purchasing person. So right. we want to turn that around. So it looks like a diamond where our CEO is getting with their CEO and our CFO is getting with their CFO and our CMO is getting with their CMO and our salespeople are getting with their purchasing people and their purchasing people are getting with our salespeople and Right. All this, you know, all the way down their operations, people, our operations, people, so that we really start to understand how do we partner and integrate. You, do, you don't need, you know, a thousand accounts or 10,000 accounts to be wealthy. You need a few great relationships because those great relationships will lead you to all the other relationships. And the more integrated you are and the tighter you are with them the more valuable that becomes. You know, at the end of the day, the, the most useful information that uh, we come across uh, 
is that obvious stuff that we don't do because we get too sophisticated. And you know, the entire conversation so far has been about get to know your customers, go visit with them, don't just listen to them, see what they're actually doing. All of that stuff is fundamental human connection learning kind of stuff that pays off uh, in dividends big time. So have you ever had resistance when you're dealing with certain clients where you suggest this kind of stuff and they say, no, no, we know what they want. And how did you overcome that resistance to get them to actually go do, press the flesh, go figure out what's going on? Um, well, usually when people hire me, I work with two kinds of companies primarily. They're, they're, they're either, I do a lot of turnaround work. So they're either their sales are, you know, really taking a nosedive and they need some kind of emergency resuscitation. Or I work with companies that are really aggressively trying to grow. So I was working with a company a couple of years ago. We had 150% compounded growth rate year over year. Um, you know, we, we were trying to keep the wheels on the bus and, 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 you know, and handle that level of accelerated revenue growth. But a lot of the work I do is, is where they're in trouble. So in either case, they hire me because things are not normal. And, and, and so, though, you know, they, there's a motivation for them to change. And if they don't want to change, then I, I leave. I mean, it's just that simple. It's like, look, that you, you know, you called me in here to solve a problem. If you want me to solve the problem, then we got to change these things. If you don't, then I'm, I'm out. It's fine. Like, it, and it's, I mean, this goes to any sales situation. If there's a fit between the two companies, then great, you should be partnering. If there's not a fit, then it's okay to walk away. It's like if there's not a fit, it doesn't you don't have to make make it fit. Brilliant. So as you're working with companies right now as we go through this COVID restructuring of the world, what are some of the tips that you're giving people? What do they need to do differently? Um that, well uh, one of the things I was talking about early on, it looks like things are opening back up now, but early on, one of the things I was focusing with people is how do you become essential? You know, what, what is it that you do <clears throat> that is essential that allows you to stay open? Um, and, and there are a lot of different angles to that. I'm working with a company right now um, and, you know, they were kind of panicking and I'm like, hey, we're, you know, we have government contracts. Okay, so let's focus on that because we have to stay open for the government. So we submitted, you know, appropriate paperwork and they were like, great, no problem. So, you know, it's, it's those kind of things first, you know, like I, the first, first thing I always look for is, is viability, right? And via means life in Latin, you know, do you have yes. life? Right. So, so we, we have to have life. We have to be open. We have to have the doors open. Right. And then the next thing we need is cash flow. And, and so how do we get cash flow? And, you know, during this deal, it's, it's all about cash flow. So my, you know, my son was a caterer and he lost all of his catering contracts in three days. So he called me in a panic and he said, you know, what do I do? You know, he's, I mean, he's been in business for like six months and he was doing great, but you know, all of a sudden can't do it. I said, you got, you know, you, you got to do meals on wheels. And he's like, how am I going to do that? And I said, <laughs> I said, you're going to start making food and delivering it to people's homes. And he's like, well, I don't have a model for that. I'm like, well, you better get a model for that. <laughs> so he did. And he started to email uh, people who had done catering with him. And he 
and he got orders, right? So, you know, this is one of the things I learned from my father who was a big card player. He used to do these weird things when he was playing cards and I would always watch and afterwards I'd say, why'd you do that? And he'd say, because I had to put some points on the board. You know, I can't sit hand after hand and not have points because I'll get too far behind, right? And that's, I always think about that from the sales standpoint, like, doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Like today, right now, we got to put some points on the board. Little points, big points, fat points, short points, whatever they are, but let's get some points on the board, right? They might not be our perfect sale. It might not be perfect margins. It might not be, you know, any margins, right? But we, we got we to gotta start getting some motion in the ocean. Uh, right. My very first client when I started my, my training company was a car stereo company, and I traded for car stereos because the guy said to me, I said, I can't pay you cash. I don't have cash, but I have all this inventory. So if you'll train my sales team how to sell, I'll give you a car stereo. Well, I didn't need a car stereo, but I took it because I had to get a customer, right? I had to get some points on the board. I had to get things moving, right? And then I had a relationship. And then I could go to the guy next door and say, hey, you know, this guy just signed up. So you need to sign up. And he's like, really? He's a cheap, he's a cheapskate. He signed up. I said, yeah, well then I'll sign up. Right. So, you know, the, you, you, you've got to scramble every day when you've got something like this going on. You, you got to, you know, you just have to put points on the board. Brilliant. Uh, Rick, this was a great conversation. And what I took away from it was just certain ideas like uh, follow your customer, walk in their shoes, figure out exactly what they want. I mean, get so close that you smell their breath that how do you become essential is basically asking brilliant questions. And last but not least, of course, every day get some points on the board. Rick, we're going to put all your contact information in the show notes. Uh, You are a master at your craft and helping companies move forward. Thank you so much for being on the program. All right. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 